Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Padvay, and I'm joined by a very special guest, Richard Lim, the men's hockey program coordinator and, and head coach of the Royal Military College. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Blaine. Really appreciate it. I, uh, I'm really happy to have you back on. It's been a little bit, of, a little while since you were on last time. And, uh, you know, time has passed, the pandemic is over, and now th- things are starting to finally get into gear yeah absolutely I mean um, it's finally the first time that it feels like uh, a little sense of normalcy for our league here Um, a little bit bigger of a schedule as far as teams were playing we're able to practice back to normal um, and and the guys are able to do a little bit of team building and whatnot to build some of that culture up so it's finally a sense of a normal season and um, I mean it's it's a lot of extra work um, just getting everyone back into that I, things have definitely changed over the last two years, but uh, we hit the ground running and we're off to a, a decent start this year. Yeah, so you're talking about your start this season. Uh, as we record, it is the 30th of October. Your team is three and three. Now that's a, the 500 record. Most people wouldn't realize that is a that is a very good start considering you're up against some pretty strong competition in your conference. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the better starts um, in our program, uh, definitely in recent memory, but uh, to get to that 500 mark early. Um, and we've had some tough teams with Concordia and McGill, two teams that are annually uh, competing for birth at Nationals, um, and then Carleton and Ottawa, which have been uh, historically really good teams. So to be able to get a couple wins definitely uh, gets us off to the right start and believing in ourselves. So it's a de- tough conference. Um, I think when everything's said and done, we'll probably have four of the nine teams in our conference be nationally ranked. So um, definitely have to bring your best foot uh, every single night to have an opportunity to compete. That is no easy task, uh, especially considering the restrictions on how you build your team, considering that as a Royal Military College, every member of your team has to join the military. Yeah, correct. Uh, I mean, it's definitely uh, the biggest difference between our school and any other uh, university in Canada. Um, all, all of our student athletes are in the military um, and it's it's a hurdle, but it's also uh, offers our guys a lot of opportunities. Um, we've never had anyone that's joined the program that's regretted it. it. It definitely opens a lot of doors and 
you know, we're probably 75% of our roster makeup hadn't thought about the military until we recruited them. And um, yeah, they, they realized the opportunities, especially once we get going and talk to some alumni that it isn't just Hollywood uh, army movies. There's a lot of great opportunities that the, the military offers. Now uh, in, in this season, you have in your three wins, you've come back in a second game of a back-to-back -back or in a rematch game. You get beaten by one team, but you come back and you, you take the win away from them in a second game. That resiliency, how did you get that going with the guys? Um, I mean, it, it probably starts with just our natural recruiting. Um, guys that are, are predisposed to joining the military, they sort of have that never give up attitude. They're strong character people to be able to get through the recruiting process and then to excel at the college with all the things going on. So it's something that, that I think all our guys have, and it's a matter of making sure we, we preach it and talk about it every day that, Hey, we're never out of a fight. Um, you know, whether it's nine, two or three, two, you know, we need to work. Um, we're as skilled as our RMC teams ever been, but at the end of the day, when you compare to some of the other teams that are getting NHL draft picks and, you know, hundred point getters and major junior, as good as our skill is without the work ethic and the tenacity um, you know, we don't stack up against the top echelon teams. So we talk about it consistently that we're never out of a fight. Um, our alumni that come and talk, always talk about our work ethic and our ability to, to bounce back. Now that seems like it's a microcosm of what we're trying to build in the military on a daily basis, that, that team mentality, that the, the sum is better than the the parts are not as as <laughs> the sum is better than the parts. Absolutely, absolutely. I I think um, we're seeing it with a with a little bit of a change um, in culture across across the forces, but we definitely see it at RMC. Um, some of the culture change things that are being implemented over the last couple of years, um, and it's definitely the way that we build our program and the way that we continually try to push the envelope. Um, to be better as a team because on paper again we definitely have great players um, but we need 20 guys every night um, the, we can't we can't have six guys have great games and everyone else as long as a passenger uh, we just don't have the depth and the ability to to beat a Concordia or a Trois-Rivières um, if we don't have 20 guys going and and not just going but playing their roles I think that's a big thing with uh, our guys is they're mature and guys understand the roles that not everyone's going to put up 28 points. We need somebody to block some shots and to kill penalties and to bang the body around. And fortunately we have a, a good mix of guys that know their roles and, you know, love their roles and flourish in them. Now, clearly the team is built with a ton of leadership skills. Uh, it, it's a military college. These are going to be officers at, at the completion of their, their degrees. Um, so there's, they're being built as leaders. What added, uh, what added pieces do you give them so that they can, they can take that leadership and then keep everyone honest? Well, I think it's something um, we we've talked a lot about coming out of the pandemic is the, the internal accountability, right? Um, the old adage that, you know, good teams, the coach holds the team accountable, great teams, they hope the players hold themselves accountable. And, and I think that's, we talk with the leadership group weekly about it. Um, you know, we, we had a great leadership group heading into the pandemic and, and they sort of passed that on to the younger guys as they came up that 
I really had to do anything in the dressing room. Like the guys took care of everything and losing that two years, our leadership group now is fourth years. They were first years. Last time we sat in a dressing room and everything at RMC happened so fast that as a first year, you, you don't understand why things are happening. You're just yeah, left foot, right foot. Like I'm just trying to make it to breakfast the next morning. Right. Um, so it's sort of constantly talking with them that, Hey, you know, there's different ways of leadership. Everyone has a different leadership style and there's no one path. Like you have to find it. Like Mickey was our, our captain when you were first year, but you guys aren't Matt and Mickey, you know, and whether you're, you're a talker or an example guy, whether you're a positive guy, whether you're a constructive criticism guy, you, you got to use what, what makes you a strong leader and then lean on someone else to fill those gaps. And I think our leadership group does a real good job of that. And, you know, like you said, we have a lot of leadership in the room that it doesn't matter who's wearing a letter guys, guys know and, and feel comfortable standing up and, and uh, being the guy any given day. Now you mentioned the recruiting a little bit earlier. And I'm going to take a guess in that when you're out recruiting players, you are looking at that, that character uh, portion first. hundred <laughs> percent. No doubt about it. I mean, when I walk into a rink, um, whether it's a tier two game or major junior game, um, typically I'm not looking at the leading scorer on the stat page. I mean, when I'm standing beside North Dakota's assistant coach or Harvard's assistant coach, and they're looking at the number one stat guy, it's a tough sell to that player to, to come play U sports when there's an NCAA team. So I'm definitely, um, when we go, I watch a lot away from the puck, a lot of body language, a lot of bench um, stuff, and then sort of what kind of upside they bring. They might be in a checking role, but you know, how, how do they rag the puck? How do they puck protect, manage the puck at blue lines? Um, that, that sort of stuff. Uh, definitely a little bit more on the character side for us, because, you know, when guys come here, they have an opportunity to play in a bunch of different positions. And, you know, historically, you look at guys, they actually have their best offensive years here at the U sports level than they did at junior. Cause I, I put them into a position where they haven't been able to, to be and they flourish, but the one common thread is definitely the character and the high character that we try and keep in that dressing room where, you know, I have no problem putting my name behind any single guy that steps foot through that door, whether it's across the street at the college on the peninsula, or once they graduate, if I get a, a call from a, a DCO or an OC asking about someone, I have no problem giving great references. Now, with the recruiting, clearly members have to join the Canadian Armed Forces to go to this school, but you're offering them a full ride. It's completely covered and they gain a salary. So I can see that being an attractive piece, but it's the military service that requirement at the end that may cause some problems in your recruiting. Am I wrong? No, you, you hit it right on the head. Um, unfortunately, just for whatever reason, still, um, you know, within the Canadian society, the stigma of the military, like it's still not well known enough about all the great benefits and the different opportunities and jobs, even with the military. When I talk to somebody uh, from interior BC that's never seen a military uniform, they just assume, oh, it's Saving Private Ryan, it's, you know, whatever, name the Hollywood movie, it, and that's what they think the military is, right? Or or the 10-second clip on CBC. And, you know, there's so many different jobs, whether it's in the Navy, the Air Force, whether it's, you know, whatever, logistics. It's not everyone's an infantry officer, infantry soldier. And um, it's definitely something that it's an education slash recruiting call most of the time. Um, the, the free education package 
and it definitely helps um, if I have the opportunity like it's a little different from my colleagues that do the other sports at RMC but I don't get to talk to a lot of parents a lot of the 20 year old junior players that I'm recruiting you know make their own decisions don't need mom and dad on a call um, but if I did get to talk to the parents and I talk about the pension even that you know you're you're curing four years of pension while at school all of a sudden their eyes light up going yep this sounds great but a 20 year old guy uh, it's not not in their uh, their plan or, or their thought process. So definitely a lot of benefits and, it, and it's definitely an education piece. And I lean on some alumni as well to uh, whether it's recent or older alumni to talk to some of these recruits and, and let them know what a, a real day-to-day life looks like after your four years of university. Yeah. Um, I, I know it's a bit of an eye opener being a chief petty officer in the Navy myself. Uh, I, I've seen some of the lives they have to, the start of their careers. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. And for me, it's fun because I get to pick on them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with your program, it's not like you guys are without any skill either. I mean, in 2019, Chris Paquette was a member of your team and he was the Eastern uh, MVP. Yeah, yeah. We we were fortunate enough to get Chris. Um, I mean, an NHL draft pick, our first NHL draft pick um, to, to join the program. He ended up winning our league MVP o- like the OUA MVP, he was runner-up for rookie rookie of the year for all of U Sports. Um, he was a second-team All-Star for U Sports. Like he, his accolades were through the roof, um, and, and he's now a strong cadet as well. Like bilingual, four hundred on his PPT. Um, yeah, so he, he definitely helps. Like getting guys like that that produce um, help the recruiting, and it it's sort of where we're getting to, where we're as deep as we've ever been. We have 27 guys on our roster, all have played tier two or major junior. And now that affords us to be competitive every night where now I can go after, you know, some of those more skilled, higher profile cadets or um, recruits, sorry, and compete with the Queens and the McGill's recruiting those guys. And, you know, we have two more this year in Austin Saint and Josh Spratt that are a point per game. And, you know, they raise our skill level, but they're also great characters that play the game the right way. So, um, yeah, we're, we're in a good spot now. It's just a matter of keeping that wheel greased and keeping it moving forward. Now you've put in a lot of work over the years to get this program to where it is now. And now it's, it, it has become a, uh, a playoff team on a yearly basis. Has that helped at all with, uh, with your recruiting? Absolutely. There, there's no doubt success uh, breeds success, right? And um, my first couple of years when we were coming off an 0 for season, it was tough to get guys, right? They they look and they're talking to Ottawa U or Ontario Tech or a couple of teams out West and they're going, well, you know, I have a chance to play there, but win. And, and we lose a lot of recruits there. Now, as being a playoff team, they have the opportunity to come in and play, but as well also have some success. So Definitely helps. Um, I, I keep mentioning alumni because it, it does take a, a community with assistant coaches and, you know, different alumni from different years that are local talking to some of these recruits to, to shine the light. Like, it's not just me. There's a lot of a lot of people that also help, have helped me um, behind the scenes to try and elevate our program. And we're definitely happy or happy with uh, where we are and where we're headed. Now, another accolade for you and the team is a recent victory over the West Point team. It's a, it's a yearly tradition where the two of the two schools just go at each other. And uh, recently Canada won. 
Yeah, that that was awesome. Um, definitely a uh, a bucket list as part of this program. Um, it's the oldest international hockey rivalry in the world. So to to just be part of it um, and standing on the bench across from Coach Riley, who I mean, their their family with the rich hockey tradition is you know the first couple of times a little awe inspiring. Being able to sit in the office and chat with him before, um, yeah, and then to get our win. I mean it was what we were building to for four years was that that season like we put everything in place and the graduating players in that year uh, at our year-end banquet told me how they really hope they never hear the word process again because it was a four-year process and in that season we, we we got to beat West Point which was the first time since 06 um 03 I believe actually sorry that we had beat West Point um so it'd been almost two decades so that was great and then we also made playoffs that season so we managed to check both those boxes off in one season. And then unfortunately COVID hit, but um, yeah, it, it was great. And it really showed where our program had come from and where we're headed um, to, to be, to hit both those markers in one season. Now without COVID in the way, uh, that's, that's something that's going to come up again. Excuse me. It's um, this rivalry will be renewed this year. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about where and when? So actually, it's not going to happen this year, unfortunately. Um, just coming out of COVID, there is some scheduling issues, and we we have to book it so far in advance. We weren't certain what our climate was going to be as far as crossing borders. So it, it didn't get scheduled for this year, but we're definitely in talks to have it again January next year. So January 2024, uh, hopefully it's back up and running, and we have no more reasons to pause it and take a break. Um, we managed to go down early this year and meet um, we brought the team down and they stayed with the cadets on West Point campus and did a relationship builder to make sure you know those those relationships are there uh, and both coach Riley and I are on the same page about doing what it takes to, to make sure the game is back on the schedule next year well I look forward to watching that game when it happens um, but there's another game that I'm going to be I'm going to be keeping an eye on and that's your crosstown rival game with Queens that's going to happen uh I believe Wednesday the second. Yeah, it's a, it's actually Thursday, Thursday okay. first Thursday in February, February second. I think you're right. Um, and yeah, the the Carriers Cup. I mean, it's obviously we've had a couple year hiatus there as well, so it's nice to get that one back. It's always a fun game right at Leon Center downtown, and it's a sellout, and it's full of students, and it's one of those games that everyone that's managed to watch one in, in the past, uh, they're signed up to watch it again because it is a a fast, heavy, old, old school hockey game. Um, the guys are up for it. Uh, Brett Gibson, the Queens coach, and I always laugh that you could play without a puck for the first 20 minutes and nobody would even notice. Um, and, and I think this year, or the last couple of years, it's been even more important um, because of the two points. You know, my first couple of years, it, we were sort of out of playoffs by then, and it was our big game to, to get up for just to, to salvage something and to, to have a little payoff for all the hard work the guys have put in through the season, but we know it's going to be big implications come the playoff drive. So besides it being a historic game with all the crowds, the, the two points are big now as well. So it'll be a, it'll be a barn burner for sure. Yeah. I can't imagine how uh, such a small town like Kingston would, would have such a rivalry between these two universities. You'd think they'd love each other. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it has changed a bit. I know uh, some of the guys are friends now with how small the hockey world and social media has changed. Back when I played, yeah, there was no talking between the teams. That is for sure. Um, 
But as soon as we get on the ice, they are bitter enemies and it doesn't matter if they had the same billet parents for the Frontenacs or grew up across the street at home, they hate each other. So it's pretty funny to watch. Now you bring up the Frontenacs and it's an interesting, uh, an interesting time in Kingston. Uh, the Frontenacs are putting in to host the Memorial Cup. Is there any part of that that you guys play a role in? So I, I just saw the news, um, so I don't think so. If, if there's anything uh, the Queens or RMC are doing, I'm sure it's well above my pay grade at this point. Um, I mean, I, I think it'd be awesome to showcase our city. Um, to like Kingston's so gorgeous and uh, such a great town, and, and it is a hockey town. I think anytime we get an opportunity to host a game or an event, um, I, I think the community gets behind it for sure. So it would be a, a great opportunity if we could do that. Well, it, it would be fun to watch. Either way, I love going to these events and seeing how the local hockey programs integrate themselves into the whole show. So it'll be an, it'll be interesting to see how it how it works out. Um, now, let's see what else do I got for you. Kind of going off script now. I got, I don't have any more stuff here, but I wanted to know a little bit more about. Uh, your plan for the team going forward this season? Like, yeah, I mean, it, it was a it was an interesting off season trying to figure out where what we had and where we where we needed to end up. Um, little change in our in our structure uh, league wise this year. Only six six of nine teams make playoffs as opposed to eight of ten. Um, so it changed a little bit of the dynamics. We we brought in ten new players, so we're a pretty young team. Um, so we're back to sort of the process of just building. Um, and, and it was a tough, it has been a tough start here because, you know, we, we have three wins, which is awesome, but we followed it up with three less than stellar games where, you know, the losing, everyone in our room hates losing, right? Like we, we hate losing, but as we said, as coaches, if we're losing and playing the right way, that's something we can build on right? We, we can dissect the video. We can, we can make some changes to our structure, whatnot, but a couple of those losses, we were just, we didn't show up. So I think that's the number one thing that, that we're chatting about this week when we, when we get back on the ice tomorrow is, um, you know, the consistency in our game. Like we, we need to bring it every single night. And with a young team, it's sort of tough sometimes with the back-to-backs and whatnot. We only play 26 games. Um, and guys forget that it's not like junior where you can go on a two game slide and hop out of it. And, you know, every game matters. Um, the last four or five seasons, the last playoff spot's been either zero or two points. Um, so, you know, those, those two points in early September or early October here, you know, they they end up being big come February. So that's our number one thing is definitely the process uh, of just consistency and, and finding that, balance with our schedule of some rest and in practice times um which i mean especially for our guys with the extra stuff they do at the college it, that rest i think is going to be real important for us as we head into midterms and and into december here well coach i really appreciate the time you've given me for uh for this episode um i can't thank you enough for coming on and raising some awareness for the fact that rmc the canadian university military college has a team and you guys are doing so well. Well, thanks for having me, Blaine, and keep up the good work. I uh, love everything that you're putting out. So it's always a pleasure to read and listen. So thank you very much.
did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.